everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Double fun. Double your pleasure. Double the mystery. Double the murders. There's only one murder, though. Double the hosts, because there's two of us. Yeah, I guess. Double from what, though? Yeah. There's two also in A Date with Dateline. Whatever. Anyways, this is Double Date with Dateline. What episode are we talking about? We're talking about Blood in the Water from the series Betrayed on ID Network. Have we covered Betrayed before? We have. Yes, we have. And there's one more that I want to do. What episode from Betrayed did we do? The man was sleeping with the woman who liked to smell him, his shirts and the (laughs) hotel sheets. And she went to the church with them. And then the woman was murdered and the guy had those weird 80s glasses and there was a lot going on. And we were going to do more from this series because this is the series that they have the murder victim in first person talking about the crime. Yes, which I love. It's ghoulish, but I love it. Is it ghoulish? I think it's just murdery fun, right? That's what they want. Yeah, but I mean, to hear a person saying, the next day I was murdered. Police still haven't solved my murder. When my throat was slit, la-di-da, okay, first it's a little of all, ghoulish. They don't say it like that at all. It's much more dramatic. It's, but the next day, I was murdered. Not the next day I was murdered, and then they killed me dead. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's how I imagine it. I went to the supermarket, and they murdered me. That was it. With <laughs> good prices. <laughs> With savings. So... Blood in the Water, which I just now realized why it's called that. I know. It doesn't hit you till after. It didn't hit me until this minute. So way after. So that's cool. We open in a Los Angeles suburb in 1982. And we're told by a woman who we don't know yet that the holidays are all about family. And no one cares about family more than me. I'm pretty sure them's is fighting words and a lot of suburban moms would think differently, including your mom. It's so funny because every other episode of the show, I've seen like practically every episode of this series, and they always have the victims talk about themselves, but usually in a very nice way. And they're painted as like, I didn't do anything wrong. I was the most generous person. Why would anyone want to hurt me? This mom right off the bat. She's combative. Yes. But then in the next sentence, she says, everyone considers me to be the matriarch of this Irish clan. And you're like, okay. Yeah, I guess. The scene is all set around a dinner table. There is a very awkward toast from a son-in-law. And there is a thank you so much for coming to two. I don't remember if they're in work uniforms or not. They might be, but it's two people at the dinner table that are not members of the family. One very facial hairy. Yeah, like Fu Manchu. Yeah, they got invited to the holiday dinner, but they're not members of the family. And then there is also a put down of a drink for someone named Jimmy, who is drinking too much champagne. Not tonight, Jimmy. Not tonight. So there's instant problems, you know. And then there is a girl who is unwanted. And I wrote the, is she a wife or girlfriend, question mark, which we find out later who she is. But she is told that she can't be in the family photo because it's immediate family only. Which is such a slap in the face. She's standing up, just immediate family only. She sits back down. But then when you realize, once you learn who everyone is, 
one of the son-in-laws is in the photo. The son-in-law is in the photo. So if he's considered immediate family, but this girl's not considered immediate family. I think that's family by family. So if you're married, then you're immediate family. Yeah, but if your DNA doesn't, that doesn't make you immediate family. Not in this case, apparently. I don't make the rules in this family. I don't know. But Kathy made the rules and that girl was not going to be in the family photo. So her name, the woman, the voiceover, the woman who passes away, her name is Kathy Stroop. And four months from the time of this holiday dinner that we're witnessing, someone is going to kill her. Yes, someone in that room. Someone in that room is going to kill her. She is 45 years old. She has been married to Jim Sr. for 26 years, and she has three grown children, Jimmy Jr., Cheryl, and Mark. We get an actual interview with Mark right off the bat, the real Mark, who tells us that Kathy was all about her family. I wanted to tell Mark that Kathy had already told us that. This was not new information, but I appreciate Mark saying that about his mom. And so in our reenactment, Kathy is getting her son, Mark, ready to get dropped off at base. I don't know how that works. She's like ironing his pants. It's the 80s, the early 80s. He's clearly active duty. I don't know. So then we immediately go to bedtime, master bedroom time with Jim Sr. and Kathy both in bed. And he brings her a glass of champagne in a champagne flute. And I said, oh, what's the occasion, Jim Sr.? Nothing. That's how they roll. Is that like something that happened in the early 80s? That's how you know that they've done well for themselves. They have a glass of champagne every night. Maybe that's something rich people do. Were they rich, rich? Yeah, they did pretty well, I think. Champagne gets a bad rap. I know a lot of people that like vehemently dislike champagne because it gives them a headache. Maybe not fancy champagne, maybe just cheap champagne. I think it's cheap champagne because I know someone who's very wealthy and only drinks champagne. Is her name Heather and was she on The Real Housewives of Orange County? No. Okay, because that's who I know. Do you really know someone like that? Yeah. Are they own exclusively champagne? Uh-huh. On purpose? That's just what they like. But it is what they like. It's not because it's champagne and they want to be. No. That is what their preference is, is fancy champagne. Yeah. And they're not an extremely fancy person. They just really like champagne. I love that. Oh, I want to be that. When they're drinking, it's champagne. Fun. Is it too late for that? I, I might have to get into that. No, it's never too late. I think it's too early for that. <laughs> I wish I had champagne right now. He brings her a glass of champagne and they make a toast to Mexico. They say Mexico. Like Peggy Hill says Mexico. Cinco de Mayo in Mexico. But is Mexico right? No, it's right. It's more like Tim on 90 Day Fiance who's going to Colombia. Or when people say that they're going to Guatemala. I don't like it. I know it's the right way to say it but I don't like it. Noted. That's good. Everyone write that down. I'll give you a minute. It's a pet peeve. Okay. So they make their toast and then we move on to the next scene. But what we're supposed to get from that bedroom scene is that Jim and Kathy are happy. They've been married a long time and they're like a fairly happy long-term married couple. Also, they can't decide if they should go on vacation to the beach or to see ancient ruins. Yeah. Well, I mean, the decisions are hard. These are hard choices we have to make. And I don't know. Could you decide? You know, you're supposed to pick the ancient ruins because you need to be cultured, but you're probably just going to go sit on the beach. Yeah. And drink champagne. You can't drink champagne at the ancient ruins. It's vacation. I don't want to go excavating my vacation. 
But you should, because you need to see the world. But nah. yeah, I think they're going to choose the beach. So Jim and Kathy are able to go on trips because they have a secondary business. I don't know what their primary business is. I don't know either, but he works nights. He works a graveyard shift. I don't know what he does, but their secondary business is a water company. Yeah. Can you extrapolate on that, Kimberly? I couldn't tell if it was like sparklets. No, it's a giant water tank. Or if it's like, do they like do they deliver treated water to places? Well, the desert, it's in Palm Springs. So Palm Springs is famously dry. It's the desert. It's known for being quite dry. Quite dry. It's a desert landscape. Or as Peggy Hill would say, in my experience, the desert, some of the driest places on the planet. So they have to get their water somehow. So there's like aqueducts and things. So I don't know exactly what they do with this water. But she says, did you make all your deliveries? Right. But they're in a truck with a large tank on the back. So there's obviously water in the tank. We are given absolutely no information about this second business. No. And I wish I understood. I was just hoping it was sparklets. So here's what we get. We get the companies in 29 Palms, which is around Palm Springs. The son-in-law, who we met before, we see in the opening shot, is in charge of this second water business, which is SNS, which I'm assuming means Stroud and Sons, but he's not a real son. I bet it's Stroup and Stroup. Stroop and Stroop. Stroop, Stroop and Stroop. Yeah. She owns it too. She wanted her name on that business too. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, Stroop and Stroop. He's hot, right? The son-in-law. He kind of has that floppy hair and he has like a James Dean kind of vibe. No? Am I wrong? He's a little tiger beat. I mean, yeah. He has that hair that's like parted in the middle and long, like he should be on California Dreamin' or something. But he's, but he looks like a bad boy, kind of. Oh, wow. These are a lot of words that you're saying. I and could he's not wearing agree like a, less. a tank top kind of thing with like a shirt over it. So Kimberly had the hots for son-in-law, who we don't know his name yet, and we won't for a minute. So it's a little awkward for this recap. But Kathy is there visiting her haughty son-in-law, who's in charge of the water business. She's bringing groceries, but really what she's there to do is to check on the business. And speaking of checking on the business, are you ready to get down to the serious business of checking in on your health? Oh my God, am I? Yeah, I figured you might be. Tell me about Everly Well. Well, you might know that I used Everly Well a couple months ago to find out what my food sensitivities were. I've talked about that quite at length. It was such a good experience, I couldn't wait to do another test. So I did the allergy test, and I found out what outdoor plants and trees I'm allergic to, along with what indoor things I'm allergic to, like dust mites and mold. And basically, I'm allergic to, like, everything, but especially dust mites. So now I have, like, a specific goal in mind. I can keep my place really clean, and I'm going to buy a new mattress topper to replace my old one and take positive steps towards, you know, helping hopefully the end goal being able to breathe through my nose at night. So that's my goal. 2021, here I come. There we go. Breathing through my nostrils. Besides food sensitivity and allergies, Everly Well also has thyroid health, heart health, vitamin D tests. They have STD tests. They have sleep and stress hormone tests. Yep. Everything. And I'm basically working my way through all of them. The only one I'm going to skip is the men's health test because it's not applicable to me. But everything else, okay. So 
I want to do this to find out more information about my body and the more you know. Everly Well tests are shipped to your door with easy to follow instructions. You send back your sample and it's processed in a certified lab reviewed by a board certified physician. The results are sent to you digitally within days. Super, super fast. Like, I couldn't believe they came that fast. For 20% off an Everly Well at-home lab test, visit everlywell.com forward slash date dateline and enter code date dateline. That's everlywell.com forward slash date dateline code date dateline for 20% off your test. Woo! Everly Well at-home lab test, your answers, your way. We're huge fans of them because Everly One deserves to be Everly Well. Yeah, nailed it. Done. Nothing but net. Nothing but ever lead net. No, I just push it. I get to a certain level and then I just can't stop You're myself. trying to top yourself, but you what you can't, you fail to see is that you're already at the top. So there's nowhere to go but down. You're right. I'm at the apex. Yeah. I We need a flag system so I can like red flag you if it's like, you're good. That's it. Banked it. Yep. Thank you, Everly Well. Check them out, guys. Okay. Meanwhile, back in 29 Palms, we've got mother-in-law Kathy checking on Michael and the business and daughter Cheryl. And we still don't know his name, but Cheryl and husband start making out in the kitchen in front of their mom. And I yeah. I don't do that. You don't? I don't. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it makes most people uncomfortable. But I wouldn't do it in front of a mom. No. Either mom. My mom or his mom. Not doing no. it. So then she makes it worse by saying, well, you would make out with him too, mom, because he's such a hunk. No, see, no, I don't, I don't like that either. My mom already tells me 50 times a day how much handsomer Oliver is than I am. So, (laughs) I mean, that's already established, but I don't need to make it worse by calling him a hunk. I mean, it does point to the fact, though, that he is hot, though. It seems like most of the ladies agree with me that he's hot. You're so wanting my validation on this. You're not going to get it. (laughs) You're not going to get the validation that you're seeking right now. This is, again, we need a flag system. So I could be like, nah, black flag on the play. He looks like a girl that Kelly Kapowski would have a crush on, Saved by the Bell. He looked like a girl that Kelly Kapowski would have a crush on? A guy. Well, you said girl. So that would have been an interesting and a very, like, aware and astute Saved by the Bell episode if Kelly Kapowski had had a crush on a female. Yeah, they weren't that pro-forward. Progressive? Yeah, progressive. Then, after she calls him the hunk, two other burly dudes, one in a fake Fu Manchu, comes in. And we've seen these guys also around the holiday table. I keep saying holiday table because I literally couldn't tell if it was Christmas or Thanksgiving. Welcome to Los Angeles, where the weather never changes. And they didn't seem to have Christmas decorations up, but maybe they're Jewish. I don't know. Could be Jewish. How many Irish families are also Jewish? Very few. But could be. Anything's possible. So there we go. I'm not going to rule anything out, so we're going to keep saying holiday. So the two brothers that come in are Peter and Paul Leach. They are friends of the son-in-law, who we find out his name is Michael Seawright. My boyfriend. Mikey. Yeah, sure. So they Is that what the daughter calls him, Mikey? I don't think she ever refers to him by name. I think we maybe get a honey, but I don't think we get any name. They were too busy locking lips. I'm called him Michael. So I'm hoping he's a Michael. So anyways, Peter, Paul, and Michael are all BFFs. And Peter and Paul are the delivery guys for the water company. We still don't know what that company is. Just saying. 
So we find out that the water trucks keep breaking down because they're old. There's two trucks and they're both old and they keep breaking down. This is a common theme that repeats throughout the episode. Kathy then does what she's expected to do, which is offers to help, but not with the water trucks. She offers to help with the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically so that Michael can spend more time fixing the water trucks and she can get in there and check the numbers which is what she's interested in because she's the owner of the business. Michael works for her. While they are having this discussion in the kitchen, we get a panning shot and we see one of the leeches, one of the leech brothers, (laughs) standing standing by what appears to be guns in a glass cabinet, but like a shadow box cabinet. It's like a large shadow box frame. I don't know what that's about, but I know it's not good. A few days later, there's a knock at the door at night, and it is little Jimmy Jr., and he is a mess. He's been fighting with his wife. He looks like he may have been in three or four bar fights. He's got some, like, bloody stuff on his face. Strange marks, too. Like, I couldn't tell if we were supposed to think he was hit in the face or hit with a shoe. Or did he get a fight with a bear? Was there, like, a coyote? Yeah, it it was like a paw print almost on his face. It could have been a coyote. Let's not discount that yet. Apparently, Jimmy Jr. has been having some difficulties since he's come back from military service. He also liked to have a drink now and again, but the kind of drinking where he becomes a danger to himself and others. So he has obviously been drinking, had a fight with his wife, gotten a fight with a coyote, and has come back to his parents' house because that's kind of how this worked in their home. So Jimmy Jr. would have these troubles. He would come over and stay with them for a little while while he sorted out his life. Jimmy Sr. is not having this. He is embarrassed of his namesake and angry with him for not being able to P-I-T, pull it together. I like that. And then you can go, P-I-T, pretty young thing. Pull it together. I know, is there a way to make that work? I don't, not really. Kathy is a bit of a softy though. And of course she is, because her name is Kathy. And she's Kathy with a C. To her immediate family. Yes, she is a big softy. So she would give him money, even though Jimmy Sr. said absolutely not. And she would always let him stay and sleep it off, even though Jimmy Sr. was pretty angry with his son. Meanwhile, back to the master bedroom in a different night. And Kathy is in bed doing the finances. James Sr., the dad, is pretending to sleep with all of the lights on, which was a little confusing for me because she has every light on in the bedroom and is like doing like with her, like, you know, the ledger books and stuff, doing their finances. And he's just in bed thinking he's going to sleep. I don't know. I can sleep with lights on, but normally I would think that there would have been a moment in this scene where he would have flicked the light off and been like, enough, Kathy, we're going to bed. And he didn't do that. You don't talk to Kathy like that. Kathy is sort of bugging because there are $300 in the accounts that has been spent on something that is unaccounted for. She can't find a receipt for it. She wants to know what the $300 is for. And he's kind of like up and looking at her and then lying back down and not really giving her an answer. When he's like trying to fall asleep, the second she says $300, his eyes like spring open and then he tries to pretend to go back to sleep again. Yes. Very suspicious. It was like a moment of panic. He's trying to sleep through this. But then Kathy says, wait a minute, was it something for our trip? Giving him a perfect out to just lie and say, yes, it was. If you really don't want to deal with it tonight, you can lie about it tonight. And then that's terrible advice. 
I do have a good marriage. You don't even have to tell her what it is. Just say it's a surprise. Yeah, just say it's a surprise and then try to figure it. But it is a big lie. It's not great. No, it's a really big lie. But what's worse is that he decides to come clean about something massive. Yeah, right when he's about to go to sleep. Yes, this is not a good idea. You're not going to be well rested tonight. This is not good. And the something massive is that he recently found out that he has a grown daughter. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was. I was so surprised. I was like not thinking that was where this episode was going to go. I think I may have said out loud, well, what? (laughs) I thought it was going to be that he was having an affair. Oh, totally. Yeah. So he has a grown daughter that he recently found out about. Was that true? That he did just recently find out about her? What do we think? Unclear. Okay. Unclear. What did your outside research show? I didn't do any, but... Oh. Was I supposed to? I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time. But there's... I'll, t- I'll tell you when we get to it, which makes me question. Keep going. Oh, good. Okay. You have a theory. So he didn't tell Kathy right away when he found out But this daughter is from his first marriage. He was married before Kathy and had a daughter with his ex-wife that she didn't tell him about. Secret daughter. Yeah, apparently. With your husband? Maybe she just really wanted a clean break from the marriage. Didn't want to deal with custody. Yeah, it's really, it seems strange. This is a strange thing. So two weeks later, Anne shows up. She's just coming in the house in shorts and shorty cowboy boots. She's a hot toddy, as one might say. She is a hot toddy, and I'm into that shorts and cowboy boots look. I've always been into it. I'm just going to say that. I think that's a cute look. A little too sexy, I feel like, for going to meet her kind of stepmother. So Anne, who has shown up, says, oh, you guys must be loaded because I don't know they have a house. And she says, I would kill for this place. And credit to the show... They did not go, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Because that would have been too cheesy. Yeah, that would have been bad. But she says, I would kill for this place. The reason I think that he knew about her a long time before is the way she greets him. She runs up to him. Daddy. Daddy throws her arms around him. Like, not the kind of reaction I would feel if you were just meeting your father for maybe the third time. Definitely the kind of reaction if you're a con artist. Yeah, that's definitely the kind of reaction because you're trying to build a really fast relationship with this guy and daddy and not dad is. Yeah, problematic. Yes, it is problematic. Not for society, just for us. We don't like it. For the two people on this podcast, it's problematic. So and then what else is problematic is that she drops an age bomb being that she says she's 24 years old because somehow it comes up that Kathy says, something about her being in her late 20s. And she says, I'm only 24. And Kathy's face, we know, Jim Sr., you messed up. Because that means, timeline-wise, that he was sleeping with his ex-wife while Kathy was pregnant with their daughter, Cheryl. Dang. Who would do such a thing? Jim Sr. Somebody else. It's not worth talking about. Anyways, did he not think she would find out that the age issue wouldn't come up? Did he think he could get away with that lie? Does it make it better or worse that it's his ex-wife? I think it makes it worse because if it was some rando, you could just say, okay, he just cheated. He was thinking with his Becky's protege. But if it's his ex-wife where there were like feelings involved, I think for most women that would make that cheating 
worse. That makes it better for me somehow. I would rather it be the, the ex-wife because then at least I knew that maybe that had been the only time because it was with an ex. So it was somebody you were emotionally attached to. But if this was just some random person, I would then suspect that it had happened 40 times. And the time is what bothers you, the amount of times. The amount of times, a serial cheater, as opposed to a mistake with an ex who you had some feelings towards. I don't know. I think it's to each their own. It's a tough call. But the fact of the matter is this affair with the ex-wife happened 24 years ago. And Kathy tells us she doesn't care how long ago it happened. She cared that it happened. I get it. Well, now we maybe know why the first wife didn't say anything because he was already with his new wife who was pregnant. So maybe that's why she decided not to say anything. But do we think she said, I feel like she may have said something. I feel like he may have known for 20 years. I don't feel like he could have hidden it from Kathy, the accountant, for 20 years. Absolutely not. You're right. You're abs- you're totally right. There would be regular payments of some sort. So maybe it just came up now because Anne is kind of needing the money. Mm-hmm. Because she's kind of a grifter. There's things with Anne we'll come to learn. So fast forward a few more months and Kathy is now sort of coming to peace with Anne. We're back in 29 Palms and Anne is making friends with all of her new family members. And she's shooting a gun with Peter Leach, one of the Leach brothers. But Anne is also supposedly married. And I'm only bringing this up because they point to it very, very heavily because she's like hugging Peter and stuff after she makes a good shot because that's normal. I guess. I don't know. I'm not that uh, much of a hugger. But then (laughs) she, but then Kathy from like across the way yells, she's married, Peter. It's so case scandalic. It was a hug. It was like a side hug, like the Duggars do. It wasn't even that like intense of a hug. And she's like, she's a married woman. It's a little nosy too. It's a little like, okay, mind your business and let them do their thing. And if it bothers you, bring it up later privately. Yeah, you don't scream it so the whole neighborhood can hear. You don't need to yell it into the desert. So then Kathy goes inside to talk to her son-in-law, Michael, about why the business, the business being the water business. I'm sure. Yeah. Apparently, this water business is supposed to be pretty profitable. Again, I, okay, I'm going to take your word for it, Kathy, because I don't know. Yeah. And then, and it isn't making any money. Do you think the show didn't know? I think the show didn't, straight up didn't know. No, there's a lot of times on this sort of show or on ID Network, just in general, where they'll be like, he was a businessman. He went to his job every day. To do business. He worked in finance. Yeah, They don't specify at all. He worked in an office, you know, and and like doing what? It's not important. I guess apparently not. But this business is supposed to be profitable and it's not really making any money. So she tells Michael that she thinks maybe one of the leeches is leeching money. Good one, Katie. Thanks. Kathy wants, again, wants Michael to let her at those books. Let me look at the books. I can figure this out. And he's kind of being coy about it. He's telling her, yeah, yeah, let me just get him in order and I'll, and I'll get him right out to you in a couple of weeks. So he keeps pushing her off. And you sort of at this point don't know if it's because he's hiding something at this point or it's because she's kind of a nosy mother-in-law who's always up in your grill bringing you guys groceries like you can't feed yourselves and like babying your kids and stuff. It's sort of like you said I could run this business. Let me actually run the business. 
without micromanaging. Okay, but devil's advocate, she's bringing the groceries very clearly so she can come and talk about the business. She needs an excuse because the business is supposed to be profitable. So she wants to see how they can cut costs or where their money is going. No, it's a totally reasonable request for her to do it. I immediately thought he was hiding something from the jump. Yeah, it does seem like he's hiding something from the jump. Yeah, yeah, he needs to just show her the book. So she's getting tired of waiting for the books, but she's still going to wait a little longer. What's more on her mind is that she's having some trouble accepting Anne because Anne is the living proof of Jim Sr.'s infidelity. So now I'd like for everyone to go back to the beginning of the episode where Katie and I were questioning, does Anne deserve to be in the family photo? So you have the son-in-law, maybe a grifter, but you've been tight. You have bequeathed him to run your water business. He's obviously trusted as a son-in-law, but he's not blood. And then you have Anne, who is half blood, half blood princess. And does she belong in that family photo or does she have the right to have Kathy say to her face, immediate family only, honey? She should be in the photo. I think so too. I'll just put an end to that right now. She should be in the photo. The gracious thing to do is to let Anne be in the photo. Now, neither of us have been in this situation. So yet, yet that we don't have, Oliver hasn't had some big secret for you yet. And I but, have not told him about my children from right. before yet. So right. it just hasn't come up. Interesting conversations to be had one day when there's like nothing good on TV. When we're drinking champagne, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, Anne is not making it super easy to like her. And that might be just how she's portrayed on screen, right? She's married, but in the meanwhile, she's going on motorcycle rides with Peter Leach. Who I got confused about and thought that that was one of the brothers for a second. It is one like of the brothers. Like when she was, no, one of the brothers of Kathy's sons. Oh, Lord. So so when she was like, she's a married woman, I was like, God, I would like screamed at my CV. And you guys are related. But I was wrong. They're not related. Wow. I'm dumb. Yes. I was only half paying attention the first time I watched it. Is it because they're all brunette? You just got yes. brunette blind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The next scene is Paul Leach and Kathy, while Peter is out on his motorcycle ride with Anne. They're in the house alone. It's a very strange scene. She drops her car keys on the dining room table and then tells him he, again, the truck is broken and he's jibber jabbering about it. And she's like, okay, let me make you some sandwiches for the road. And here's some money for your trouble. I don't know. I I don't understand why. To fix the truck, maybe. Maybe. Does he need money to fix the truck? I don't know. Or gas money? I don't know. Gas money, I think, because he had to do a delivery. She goes into the kitchen to make him sandwiches. Which is nice. And we, she does like to push food. She's a mom. She's a family lady. She's a mom lady who pushes food. Also, when she pulls up at a place, she says, beep, beep. Are we sure she's not Jewish? It's quite possible. When she pulled up and said, said with her mouth, beep, beep. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I could see Joni doing that. She does do that. Okay, so... There we go. So the keys are sitting on this dining room table. Paul Leach sort of is looking at the keys and we're like, I'm like, is he going to steal her car? What's he doing with the keys? Then we find out Paul Leach has a criminal record. And so he, I guess, has a thieving problem. He's a thief. 
And he likes to take things that don't belong to him. So we get to see in the reenactment him take the keys off the counter. Remember, she's just in the other room in the kitchen making a sandwich. He goes over to the gun curio cabinet or whatever, the shadow box, (laughs) unlocks it, and is like getting ready. It is. He's getting ready to take a gun. By the way, these are not antique guns. I don't know why these guns would be in a glass framed case. Displayed like that. Like they're from the Revolutionary War or something. Because I am literally in the process of one of the things you're getting is your wedding headband in a glass box. Oh, that's exciting. It is. Place that with a gun and not like a fancy gun. It's just a gun. It's just a gun. It's the strange thing. I mean, at least they have it locked for safety. Right. I mean, thank God there are no children in the house either. But like... In case of emergency break glass, it's glass. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. Is it bulletproof glass? That would be ironic because the gun's in there. (laughs) Three guns are in there. It's very strange. So he unlocks the cabinet and is reaching for the gun. And I'm like, because she's going to walk back out and notice that there's only three guns in that cabinet. It's very prominent. There's only four guns. She's going to notice one is gone. And that one has been gone from the cabinet in the space of five seconds. Right. So, yeah. But of course, then she calls from the other room and he's like, oh, oh, and locks. It was almost like he's in a trance. Like they're trying to show us he can't help but take things that don't belong to him. I don't get the scene. I guess we're just supposed to understand that those leech boys are no good. Criminals. So next up, we have Anne and Daddy sitting on the couch at their other home, the regular home, and Dad gives Anne an envelope of cash. That's cool, I guess. She's telling him that her life is so messed up and she doesn't know where she would be without him. So she really did come into his life because she was in a spot of trouble, right? We're, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we're sure about that. I hope she's actually his daughter. I'm almost thinking that at this point. And dad is kind of spellbound by her because now, absolutely apropos of nothing, he tells her that he's going to go ahead and change his will to include her should something happen to him and Kathy. Yeah. She's like, I love you, daddy. I. What's the correct answer to that? I think the correct answer would be like, oh, you don't need to do that. Please don't worry about that. Nothing's ever going to happen to you. You're going to live forever. That's what the answer should be. And he doesn't do that. Yeah. Ugh. So Jim Sr. Also wonder how Kathy's going to feel about that. Yeah, I think we can guess. Jim Sr. then tells Kathy that Anne has decided to divorce her husband. Do we think Anne was really married? We don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think Anne might be trying to escape a bad marriage. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe I think that's what she's playing up so the dad will feel sorry for her. There we go. That definitely could be it. So Jim Sr. is telling Kathy that Anne is divorcing her husband and has decided to move to California permanently and that she might stay for a while with Cheryl and Michael. So did they say okay to that? I don't know if they said okay to that, but Kathy doesn't think any of this is a good idea. Kathy doesn't trust her. And the dad points out that Kathy would do the same for Jimmy Jr. And Kathy says it's different and you know that. Because Jimmy Jr. is not your son. Is that what you thought the next sentence was going to be? Because that's what I thought the next sentence was going to be. No, I was kind of like, how is it different? That doesn't make any sense. Also, if I were Cheryl, I would not trust Mike, Michael around. That's what I thought. Well, we don't know that. Anne's getting a bad rap in this show. Look at how they dress Anne and look at how they dress Cheryl. Cheryl wears a lot of polo shirts. Yeah. Like a lot of like sweaters with a collar. Yeah, okay. So a few weeks later... Moving on in time, Jim and Kathy come home 
one evening from an evening shopping trip and the house is in shambles. Kathy walks in the door. Everything's falling apart. She yells, Jim! And we go to commercial, wondering who the mysterious cat burglar could be. Did someone say cats? Because speaking of cats, I don't know if you knew, but my cats are perfect. I did not know that. Well, now you know. And I know them. But even though they're perfect, they still poop. And unfortunately, they don't have opposable thumbs, which means they cannot scoop their own poop. So I cannot tell you how excited I am with my new litter solution delivery service, Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you, the cat mom or the cat dad. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes are leak-proof, eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. I love that. Oh, it's great. When the month is up, all you have to do is recycle the box and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter, no more cleaning the box. I can't tell you how amazing that is because cleaning out old litter boxes, like doing the litter refresh is the bane of my existence. This like changes the game forever. Yeah. You can customize your order based on how many cats you have and the kind of litter they prefer. They have three options. Their most popular is the extra fine silica. Excellent. Fantastic. Highly recommend. I wasn't sure at first because I was used to using a different type of litter. Cats loved it. And it keeps the smell to a real minimum. It's great, especially people with multiple cats. You know, you need it to smell like nothing. A lot of cat litters like to have like Hawaiian scent and it smells like a weird combination of poo and gardenia. Nobody likes that. No, poodinia. <laughs> poodinia. <laughs> Kitty Poo Club has a no risk guarantee and you can easily customize or cancel at any time. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code DATELINE. So that's 20% off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering code DATELINE. Because if you have cats, then their business is your business. And lucky for us, Kitty Poo Club is the business. Yeah. <gasps> Love it. Thank you, Kitty Poo Club. Seriously, thank, thank you. Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo, Kitty Poo, Kitty Poo Poo. That's so good. Okay, so now we're back from commercial, though, and we see that it's no cat burglar. It's just drunk Jimmy Jr. again. He's thrashed the house, and that's it. Jimmy Sr. has had it. The kid's got to go, and he's very angry, is yelling at her, yelling at Kathy, yelling at Jimmy Jr., and very elaborately goes and removes a gun from the premises and takes off. Does he go take the gun from the... No, they're not in 12 Pines. He goes and takes it from a different location. But he, And there's only one gun. It's not the four guns. Was it in a shadow box? It was not. It was in a normal box. But I don't understand why... He, it's, he says that he doesn't want Jimmy Jr. to get his hands on it and that he's going away for the night. Is he worried that Jimmy Jr. is going to kill someone? No, I think it's more he's worried he's going to pawn it or... Okay. Maybe trade it for some alcohol or drugs. But I bet he has some nefarious friends too that he just doesn't want to have Jimmy Jr. to have access to the gun because even the friends could try to get it. Or he could be hanging out with some 
hoodlums and bad stuff could go down. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but it is very... I don't think he's going to kill someone unless... But he does, I feel like, owe money to a lot of people. So it's possible in a drunken state he would try to shoot somebody that he owed money to. He does allude to this, Jimmy Jr. does, because the next scene we have is him sort of going back through the kitchen and like going through drawers and going through cupboards and saying, I need some money, mom, or I need something to sell. Where's that samurai knife that you guys have? I can sell that. I'm in up to my head or something like that. I'm into some bad stuff. So I'm at this point again to my old standby that I get that they're saying alcohol, but I'm thinking we're talking drugs. I think drugs or gambling. Gambling. Okay, there you go. So... Kathy says, no, no, you can't have this. There's some sort of altercation in the kitchen where Jimmy's holding a knife and she says, put the knife down, Jimmy, put the knife down. It's a little awkward. I don't know if he's supposed to be scared of her. I don't know. I don't. Well, we're supposed to think, is he the one that's going to kill her? Yeah, but it's a little obvious. It's a little pointed, too. It is a knife. Da-dum-bum. Pointed. That was excellent. You're very sharp. Get it? So, Kathy calms Jimmy Jr. down, says, you can stay the night, but the next morning, you've got to be gone before your dad comes back. The next morning, we find out it's the day of the murder. Don't don't don Finally, because every scene, it's been like, in four months, I'm going to be murdered. In 27 days, I'm going to be murdered. I kind of like it. No, it's my favorite part of the show. Yeah. In a week and a half, my time will be up. Yeah, that's true. It's like, is this when I meet my demise? Nope, it's today. We're here. We're at the day. The day has come. It's morning time. Kathy wakes up and Jimmy Jr. is still there. He slept it off. She told him he's not allowed to come back to the house and he's getting cut off. No more of this nonsense. Enough is enough. To which he says the obligatory, you never loved me anyways. You're not my real mom and you never will be. And then stormed out of the house. She didn't say that last part, but he might as well have. So Kathy calls Jim Sr., at the bar where he frequents after he works a graveyard shift. It's 8 a.m. I just want to point that out because he works a graveyard shift. So he goes to the bar in the morning. Are bars opened in the morning? And is that, can I go? Is that cool? People do that? Yeah, I think so. I think I think a bar and a exotic nightclub are probably two of the probably most depressing places. At 8 a.m.? Before... Yeah, at 8 a.m. Yeah. I was going to say anytime before like 8 p.m. They're the most probably depressing places, I would guess. I'm not going to judge it before I do it. We'll see. If I can get up at 8 a.m., I'm going. Also probably safer. Quarantine. Not that many people. Kathy calls Jim Sr. at the bar where he's having a drink before he comes home and tells him, we need to talk. We got to talk about Jimmy Jr., I don't know why it can't wait till he comes home, but apparently it can't. And maybe she thinks he's going to stay there for a really long time and she needs him. Exactly. Get really drunk because he's so upset. And he says that he's had a hell of a graveyard shift and he's not coming home. Again, we don't know what he does for a graveyard shift. We have no idea. He might be like an ER doctor. I don't right. know. We literally, he could be that or pouring cement yeah. on the side of the highway. Like, we do not know what he does. Do you be in a mine? I don't know. And so this scene is uncomfortable because he then tells the bartender, he hangs up on her and he tells the bartender, if that witch calls again, tell her I'm not here. So now we hate Jim Sr. He does call her that witch. And you know that wasn't the word he actually used. <laughs> you know that wasn't the word he actually And I don't appreciate that. 
saying that in front of a bar full of people. Why is that bar so crowded at 8 a.m.? Maybe all the people on the night shift go out there for a drink to wind down. Maybe he's a beat cop or something. All of the ER doctors. Or beat cop or people that work in mines. Or a coal miner. Okay, so one of the three. There's no coal mines in Los Angeles. We got to... We'll never know. So now we get the fanciest montage music that fits not at all with what's happening here. Oh, I loved it. You're not supposed to love it because we are in 1982. That song is a Dance Moms song because there are certain artists that they get to play songs on Dance Moms because they you don't have to pay the royalties. Okay, okay, and okay, I'm with you. I almost goog. I almost gave it a goog. You almost banged it? I almost jeeves it. Yeah. Because I liked it. I thought it was very dramatic, very like almost Sia or like Fiona Apple light. There is one dance mom song that I really like. I'll send it to you. It sounded like Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah, they of. are. They all sound like that. It's a few like Canadian singers. It's hilarious. But they like, they the music isn't that expensive, but they do well. Anyways, so... This fancy montage music that's decidedly not 80s. We have Kathy wandering in the sad house. We have Dad Jim Sr. sitting in his car looking at his tiny gun, which is the tiniest gun I've ever seen, but he's looking at it. We have Anne at a payphone with a suitcase doing something suspicious. We have Jimmy Jr. with his big knife that he took from his parents' house looking at it like he's going to kiss it. And then we have... Michael burning things in a bonfire in 29 Palms with Cheryl sort of looking on from behind, like with her arms crossed. And then we get the Leach brothers in the front seat of the truck, giving each other like a knowing nod. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know it's going to be one of these people. We know the murder's about to happen. And sure enough, suddenly we're back at the house in LA and we hear somebody yell, help me, help me. And then Jim stumbles into the frame with covered in blood and he says, I think I just shot my wife. Dun, dun, dun. I was not expecting that either. What? A confession like that. Yeah, that was crazy. We know that he's going to do that because we see it a little bit in the preview and I wish they hadn't shown us that. But still, it was shocking. Two detectives are on the scene. They have a blood covered Jim Sr. on the curb. He tells detectives he got home saw Kathy on the floor and thought she was just stretching. So he comes home from the bar and is like, I'm home now. What do you want to talk about? Is she known to stretch? Like, we've never seen that before. We've only seen snippets of her life. She could stretch every day. They may have just left that out. I feel like in voiceover, she might have said, and I love stretching. Yeah. I was a speedwalker and stretching is the most important. I hope no one will think I'm stretching one day when I'm actually dead. Yeah, that is something they would have done. So... He bends down when she doesn't respond to the sound of his voice, and he sees a bunch of blood. He stumbles outside, hence covered in blood, and says, somebody shot my wife. But that's not what we heard before the commercial break. The neighbor had heard him say, I think I just shot my wife. Jim Sr. tells us the neighbor is hard of hearing. And unfortunately for Jim Sr., he has a lot of scratches on him. He's covered in blood with scratches. He says that they're from the stucco from when he was waiting for the police. So I don't know if he was like in a stucco cage that he was rolling. What was... No, Kathy scratched him in the scene with the son. Oh, she did scratch him? Yeah. At one point, she like tries to get... I don't know. She puts her hand up and then she pulls it away and it's like her fingers scratched his cheek 
or his neck accidentally. That's right. And he kind of put his hand to his face. She didn't do it on purpose. I had forgotten about that. I still couldn't figure out what the scratches were from. They were from that fight. Okay, that's why. But the cops think that they are definitely fingernail scratches. They go inside the house. There's a heart-shaped pillow inside with the words Jim and Kathy embroidered on it. And it looks like that was the pillow used to muffle the sound of the gunshot, which is crazy Mm -hmm. and awfully sad. She was shot in the stomach and on the side, and there were two... Bullets in her head. No, two coup de gras shots. Oh, yeah, yeah. They used our Dennis term. Two Dennis Murphy shots. And there's, a, and there's four twenty-four caliber casings, but there's no gun in the house. The police find a three eighty. I don't know what any of these guns are, gun in Jim Sr.'s car, the little teeny tiny gun. But they know that that wasn't the gun used because it had to be a twenty-two for those casings. Mm-hmm. He's arrested anyways. It's too much. With the gun in the car, the blood, the scratches, and him possibly saying, I think I shot my wife. Suddenly, Jimmy Jr. shows up at the scene and he starts screaming, Dad, did you kill her? You killed her. Did you kill my mother? And the cops ask exactly what I'm thinking, which is, how do you know your mom is dead? Right. Well, there is the blood all over his dad and the police being everywhere. And the police. That could have been it. But they put Jimmy Jr. in the car. And he has like dark circles under his eyes. Yeah, he's looking really, really rough. He's looked like he's had a rough couple of years. Then Michael, son-in-law Michael, gets a call and he has to break the news to Cheryl, who just looks at him and says, what? And we are supposed to suspect Cheryl at this point because it's a very... It's a reaction, but we don't know really what the reaction would be, right? Right. And are we supposed to, like, judge Michael? He had a very muted reaction when he got the phone call as well. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they're just a muted type of couple. Very good point. It's definitely a red herring. They're trying to get us to think that maybe Cheryl's involved. So we flash now to the interview room, and Jim Sr. is talking about the argument that he had with Kathy about Jimmy Jr., They ask him why he was carrying a gun with him in the car, and he says he was carrying it so it didn't end up in the wrong hands, a.k.a. Jimmy Jr.'s hands. And now we get Jr.'s interview, and he is very, very defensive, but he does have an alibi. He was making a delivery with his friend, and the cops needed to talk to his friend. So, drugs. Yeah, what kind of delivery exactly? It's something bad. Or arms, weapons, I don't know. But he does have an alibi that checks. So Jim Sr. is charged with first-degree murder, and he sits in trial for seven and a half months. My thought is a productive way that Jim Sr. might have spent those months waiting for trial was to try out the services at Do Fasting. Oh, what a great jailhouse diet that would be. Right? Yeah, I feel like I would kind of lose my appetite in there anyways. So... I'm going to do do fasting. You're going to do do fasting. Do fasting. I'm going to do do fasting. Do, 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 do. You go to their website and you take a really easy quiz about yourself. They ask you like what your health goals are. What times of the day are you hungriest? Because, you know, with intermittent fasting, you can do certain hours of the day, certain days of the week, stuff like that. So they kind of help you tailor it to a plan that's going to work for you. And based on your answers, they send you a specific program that's perfect for you and will give you the best way to start your intermittent fasting journey. I am on that journey now, ladies and gentlemen. If you're doing intermittent fasting already, 
do fasting is the perfect way to optimize your fast. But if you're brand new like me, that's totally fine. And if you want to start, we could start together. Why not? It, they also have like meal plans online and on their app. They have workout routines, motivational tips and strategies and success stories of people who have used their program. I've been stress eating my weight and junk food for all of 2020, and I'm ready to get back in track. And I am really excited to get started. Yeah. Do Fasting wants to bring an easy and affordable health enhancing program to everyone. So go to dofasting.com forward slash date and enter coupon code date to get a six month fasting program with 50% off plus an extra month totally free. It's so reasonable for this program. Depending on what option you choose, it's from it's like literally from like one to three dollars a week. It's so, so reasonable. So join now, speed up your weight loss journey. Go to dofasting.com forward slash date and use coupon code date to get 50% off a six month plan and your seventh month free. Check them out, guys. Check them out, guys. <laughs> Fasting. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. Kind of. <laughs> Thank you, Do Fasting. We'll get there. We'll get there. Do, 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 do. No, that's Mario Brothers. You can do that. Do, 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 do. Fasting. Fasting. There we go. Yeah. So we are on, it's trial day for Jim Sr. He's been there for seven months doing, do fasting. He looks great. He, no, not so much. We get snippets of the reenactment trial here. It's wild. There is a neighbor saying, I heard him say, I think I shot my wife. I think I shot my wife. Okay. That guy got his moment, that actor. It doesn't make sense because if you are covered in blood and your wife has been shot, would you be screaming, I think I shot my wife. Someone help me. Wouldn't you say I shot her? Wouldn't you know if you shot her? You're covered with blood head to toe. I think I shot and somebody shot. They sound different. That's why I- No, no. He says, I think somebody shot my wife. I think someone shot my wife. I think I shot my wife. So it's one word. It's I versus someone. That's three syllables versus one syllable. I agree. But how old did the neighbor seem? Mid 40s. What we need is the My Cousin Vinny moment with the lady with the glasses. And she has to take off her glasses. And he has the ruler and does a, a full-on Joe Pesci cause chaos in the courtroom moment. We do need that. Where he disproves that. So you need to, you would do like a whispering, sir. Yeah. And then the guy would be like, what'd you say? Be like, and you'd be like, I can't hear you. And you'd be like, enough said to the jury. That would be great. You couldn't hear me. They may have needed you for this trial. Yeah. Then we have the cops come up and talk about the scratches. What would you do for that? I would take a fork, scratch my neck with it, mm -hmm. and then show that my scratches were the same and be like, you were just itchy and you were eating a salad. So you scratch yourself with a fork. That's not as strong as the first one, but I'll, I'll take it. Well, you're, you're putting me on the spot here. I am. I was. Okay. So then we get Kathy telling us, was my husband about to be convicted of killing me? Which makes me think he wasn't. And the lights in the courtroom, all the family is sitting really tight together in this courtroom. And we see this like sort of panning camera shot with lights. And then all of a sudden, all the lights go out on everyone else. And there's one light just on Anne's face. 
Yeah, so you're like, oh, shoot, it was Anne. Yeah, kind of, except for me, I was like, oh, shoot, it definitely wasn't Anne. think that it's definitely who I think it is so it's verdict time and Jim Sr. is unbelievably found not guilty and I feel like that's not right because there are a lot of I'm really glad that he was but there are a lot of people who get convicted for a lot less that's true but there was no murder weapon there was a small motive which was they were fighting over their son and this new daughter, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And my interrogation of the neighbor went really well. That's true. So it was fine. Yeah. So yeah, we did I it. did my job. Yeah. But now we get to actually talk to James Stroop himself, the man, the myth, the legend. He tells us that he misses Kathy so much. Not a day, not a minute goes by that he doesn't think about her. And we love her. We all do. And not a dry eye in the house. Well, unless you're still watching going, but maybe he did it and he just got not convicted for it. The minute he started talking, I didn't think he did it. That was very believable. He does sound believable, but you don't know where the show is going to take us. I do. I I pretty much had it figured out by this point. So I didn't. You didn't. Okay. well, let's tell the fine people for those who haven't figured it out. So now the cops have to look at other people and who the light zoomed in on proves to have been in Texas at the time. So it wasn't Right. Where was her husband? Was she married? That might exist or not. Oh, good Lord. Question mark. Michael and Cheryl were in 29 Palms. And I guess we they didn't look at Mark. Jimmy Jr. had already been, he was fine. He had an alibi. Mark was on the army base. He was on base. Okay. Yeah. So we have no one else to look at. I don't know why we didn't look at the neighbor who's hard of hearing, but that's okay. The case goes completely cold. What was their alibi in 29 Palms? It is in driving distance. But it's, no, it's far from LA. It's at least a few hours. Right. But so what was their alibi? They were at home? Oh, it's a good question. Where were you? Why didn't you ask? I was retired from that case and on to OJ defending Robert Blake. (laughs) Okay, there we go. I don't know what they're, I don't know. So, but 15 months after the murder, they get a break in the case. So let's also keep in mind that he went to trial seven months after. So the case wasn't really cold. The case was like tepid. The case was lukewarm. Just wasn't burning hot. This wasn't that long after. It's been like a little over a year after the murder, which is pretty good in case solving time. So is it? Yeah, kind of. After the first 48, your chances go down, I think. That could just be what that show tells us. And he got the not guilty verdict at seven months. Right. So it had only been seven months after that. Okay, I see what you're saying. But most of the time, what we would see on Dateline is the cops would say, well, we found our guy already. The case is closed. I know. He just didn't get convicted. I am very happy that they kept looking at other people. That's really good. That they actually started to look at other suspects was excellent. So lucky for them, a perp comes in on an assault charge with this gun. The gun is run for ballistics and it happens to be registered to a one Kathy Stroop. Oh, boy. So this criminal tells the cops that he got the gun from the Leach brothers. There we go. So the Leach brothers are hauled in. And amazingly, they confess pretty quick. They had shown up at the house. 
they told Kathy that they needed money to fix the radiator because the trucks are always breaking down. The moral of this story is these trucks needed to be replaced a long time ago. But also in this reenactment, she's very suspicious of them coming to the door and asking for money. Because why are they in L.A.? Yeah. The water business isn't in L.A. It's in 29 Palms. She's like, okay, I guess come in. Why aren't they going through Michael? Why are the Leach Brothers? But the Leach Brothers had also been invited to holiday dinner. So Yeah, she said you guys are as good as family. She did. She says to them, you're as good as family, but they're not allowed in the photo. And technically is family, not to harp on it, also not allowed in the photo. Precious, this photo. She's very particular. Kimberly will never get over it. No. Okay. So... They show up at the house, tell her they need money to fix the radiator on the truck. They come in and bing, bang, bada boom, they shoot her. At one point, one of the brothers, Paul, is trying to exit. But Peter looks back and sees that she's kind of still alive after shooting her in the stomach. Kathy is still alive, though, even though she's been shot in the stomach and the side and is sort of crawling towards the door. And this is when Peter comes back and shoots her twice in the head. So cold-blooded killers. But, of course, these guys didn't just come and kill Kathy for no reason. They were contracted to do this killing by a member of the family. But which one was it? And, again, they're going through the entire family. It's killing me. They're dragging this out (laughs) so long in this episode. And, finally, we end on Michael, your boyfriend, who you think is so, what a hunk. But, of course, it's Michael. It's all about the books. Kathy had realized that Michael had been skimming profits and she confronted him with her findings and talked about firing him. So he does what any red-blooded American does and masterminds a murder plot because he doesn't want to lose his job. But I feel like, of course it was. Of course it was. It's not totally fair. It could have been Anne. It could have been the son with all these addiction issues. And it could have been... The daughter who was fed up, she was always in their marriage. I'm sorry, you were really surprised that it was Michael? I knew it was Michael from the minute we saw the Leach brothers. No, I did not know that it was Michael. The minute she first asked about the books, I was like, well, there's our motive. I was extremely suspicious of Anne, who wanted the money as well, and Kathy wasn't going to let her be in the will. You were suspicious of Anne because of the shorts and the cowboy boots. You thought Michael was handsome and would never do such a thing. She got in with the leeches really fast and was dating, kind of, even though she's married, one of the leech brothers. No, she was going on motorcycle rides. That doesn't mean she was dating him. So I will give you that I... They hugged in public. I wasn't sure if it was Anne and the Will had contracted the Leech Brothers or Michael, but I knew it was going to be one of them. Thank you. So don't say obviously. It was obviously, though, Michael, from the minute the books came up. Anne was pretty clearly a red herring. They literally zoomed in on her. Yeah, which is completely a red herring. That's why I knew she didn't do it. So do you think, what's the wife's name? The daughter? Cheryl. Does she know it about it at all? That I wasn't sure, but I knew it was Michael. But I don't know if Cheryl knew about it. This seems to be all Michael. Peter was offered $80,000 to do it, and Paul was offered half of the water business, which doesn't seem like that great of a deal because the water business wasn't profitable, but maybe it was. But only because he was stealing from it, yeah. Only because he was stealing. But that's not all. The brothers Leach were hired to kill 
both Jim Sr. and Kathy. Did you see that coming? No, I didn't. I didn't see that coming either. I did not see that coming. That morning, they were both supposed to be killed. What I'm surprised at is that they didn't go back and finish the job. But they couldn't because he was arrested right away. See, again, like, I guess the only reason for killing Jimothy is that Michael might think that she had told him about stealing from the company and wanting to fire him. Because otherwise, there's really no reason to kill him. They wanted Michael to have the water business free and clear. And they were both Jim Sr. and Kathy were partners. But it makes just as much sense for it to have been Anne killing off both of them because then she'd get the money in the inheritance. From the will, yeah. If he made those changes, we never saw him make those changes to the will or tell Kathy that he was going to. And I feel like she'd have a big problem with it. That might have been just for the show to throw us off. So James himself, Jim Sr., wonders what would have happened if he hadn't gone to the bar that morning. And he tells us it hurt because he was deceived, Mm -hmm. which I get that. He thinks he could have stopped it. He thinks he could have stopped it or he could have died too, which both seem to be preferable to what's happening now. And I feel really bad for him. That made me very sad. So Peter gets life in prison. And Paul takes a plea deal to testify against Michael, who is charged with first-degree murder with special circumstances. I would like to know what that means. I think in different states it's different, but probably hiring the hitman, Mm -hmm. paying for it is the special circumstance. So you didn't actually commit the murder, but you did it. 80 grand high. In the 80s. Oh, yeah, with inflation. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That should go on our spreadsheet. Yeah, it should. But California is expensive anyways, so. But yeah, but still seems really high. So half of the water business must have been a really good deal for Paul. But Peter also pulled the trigger. Well, I kind of love that because none of our hitmen ever ask for, you know, it's like give a man a fish. He eats for a day. Teach a man to fish. You know, so the hitman never asked for something sustainable like a business. It's the Michael Scott paper company deal where they ask for jobs, not cash payout for the company. It's smart. Yes, exactly. So Michael is guilty. He gets life without parole. And Jim Sr. closes out this episode with I screamed, the windows rattled, happy, sorrow, hate. You ever try to wrap all three of them together because... That's what felt good. That's what felt good that day. And I feel like this is a very apt and astute way that I would describe the year 2020. Happy, sorrow, hate. You ever try to wrap all three of them together? I like Jim Sr. a heck of a lot. He's great. He's a great guy. Seems like a real down-to-earth guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a cop. He's kind of that sort of vibe or like a some kind of hardworking profession. It's, would he, we describe him as salt of the earth and like the good kind, not the kind that like is on Dateline? No, the kind that like works on a fishing boat or something. Yeah. What's his job? We'll never know. I'm just going to drive me crazy. But this was a very good episode. It's a Kimberly's choice. It was very good. I do like these betrayed. And I'm glad you have one more for us. I have one more in the can. Just one? Have you watched them all? Well, there's a lot. I've watched quite a few. There are several that could be good. But you have one more with special circumstances? One more that I've always wanted to do. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. That's great. 
But thank you everyone for listening to this very special double date with Dateline. And please wash your hands, wear a mask, take care of each other. Kimberly, do you have anything to add? Take your vitamins. Check out our other podcast, A Date with the Bake. And you can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash date dateline. Oh, there you go. Yes, you can. If you want to. And keep on bubbling it up, people. Bubble that up. What's that? Stay in your bubble. Just bubble it. Just Michael Bublé it. No, everyone's it. Stop trying to make bubble it work. Is that a thing on Twitter? (laughs) No, I just said it. I don't know. Keep that bubble bubbling. Keep that bubble. See, and we're going to get into that double. Bubbling up to the top. We're on that loop again, that hamster wheel. We got to get off that wheel. Bubble it up. Bubble it up. Give me a bubble of it bubbles up. Nope. The germs stay inside in your bubble hut. Double bubble toiling. No trouble. Get rid of COVID on the double. Oh, I like it. Good job. I said double and it was in there twice, but I missed it. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. I missed it. James Sr., Jim Sr., Jimothy James, the the dad. I watched this TV movie over and over and over again with Shannon Doherty. I think it was called Friends for Life. And I actually downloaded illegally with like Napster or something, three of the songs from it that she sang and had them on my iPad, iPod. I understand that. Three Shannon Doherty songs from this TV movie from like Lifetime. I have stuff like that, but not... Wow, that's intense, though. Yeah. Do you know what I wore on my first trip to Vegas? Shorts and cowboy boots. I bought cowboy boots to go to Vegas. Red cowboy boots. In the car on the way to Vegas, I kept seeing all this red stuff everywhere because the paint on the cowboy boots was flaking off (laughs) on the trip there. So I had spent a, a lot. No, I haven't. I bought them at a thrift store. Also, ask me how old I was when I went to Vegas for the first time. I was 20. What's the point? What's the point? But I was going to say, like, we probably went when we were, like, 22 or something. Yeah, but you're still over 21. So you can, A, order alcohol, B, gamble. Yeah. But if you're 20, you're basically just walking around the fountain. There's activities. Cirque du Soleil. There was a Cirque du Soleil in the 1960s when I went for the first time. No. That's an, it's not, no, it was stupid. Anyways. Someone's going to write to us. It's going to be something so simple that we're not thinking of. I was counting on you and now I'm really worried because I thought it was just me, like just having a blank spot where I just wasn't making the connection. But now that I know that you also couldn't figure out what the water company was, I feel a little better. And a little worse at the same time. Just everything in my, doesn't make sense. I have an idea. Adam, if you have any kind of idea about what the water company is, we'd love to hear your voice right now. So please <laughs> pop in and tell us what the water company is before we get a million comments. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Editor Adam here. I did some research like Katie requested. When LA Times reported this case, they mentioned that SNS Water Co. was a water delivery service in 29 Palms. Then I went ahead, looked up water delivery service in 29 Palms gave it a bing, and found out that water delivery services just deliver water to offices, homes, you know, water bottles, stuff like that. All right, on with the show. Maybe it goes and fills up like water towers.
No, that doesn't make sense. Kimberly, stop while you're ahead. Maybe it fills up swimming pools. You need a lot of water for that. You would need a truck amount of water. Don't you just fill up a pool with a hose? I don't know. We got to stop talking about this. No, I think on those backyard renovation shows, they do bring in water. From a truck? Maybe. Okay. Also, maybe ponds, man-made ponds in Palm Springs. Maybe. Where the irrigation system is not set up properly. Did you, were you trying to figure out a way to work in irrigation? No, I'm just proud that I knew the word. No, it's got sprinkler systems. Something to do with sprinkler systems? Yeah, something to do with a sprinkler? No, because I mean, those get tapped into the ground well. Right. Or the ground aqueduct, whatever. I don't really understand how water in the desert works. Which is sad because we live in California, so we should know. We should. Well, maybe Adam saved us. Please, Adam, save us. 